In this edition of Locked On Capitals, Ben Raby from the Caps This Morning podcast and Caps Radio joins us. We'll talk to him next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Your Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form. So head on over to YouTube and check it out. And when you're on YouTube, make sure and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the videos, give it a thumbs up or leave some comments. It really helps grow the channel. My name is Dan Holman. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, in this edition of Locked On Capitals, we are joined by Ben Raby of the Caps This Morning podcast and Caps Radio as we talk about this Capitals season so far. There's been some highs, there's been some lows. We'll talk about Alex Ovechkin's gold chase. We'll talk about Wilson and Backstrom returning. We'll talk about all of that and much, much more next with Ben Raby on Locked On Capitals. Your Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, in this edition of Locked On Capitals, we have Ben Raby joining the show. Ben is on the Caps This Morning podcast and, of course, Caps Radio. So, Ben, the Capitals did not get the result they were looking for against this young and upcoming Buffalo Sabres team. But my assessment on it, just as an NHL fan in general, is Tage Thompson is one heck of a player. Yeah, no, he came as advertised, Dan, and appreciate being on the show today. But uh, yeah, no, Tate Thompson, this is a this is a superstar. Not on the way, he's arrived. Thirty-eight goals a year ago for the Sabers. He's a big boy. He's hard to miss. Six foot six, two hundred twenty pounds, and he was a difference maker last night with the hat trick and the eventual overtime winner for the Sabers, and a Sabers team that you know, as you know, is looking to turn the corner and get back on track after some very lean years in Western New York. Here's a guy in Tage Thompson who's certainly set up to emerge as the face of that franchise, a top-line center, and uh, again, a big boy, a rising star, and an American to boot as an Arizona native. So not only Austin Matthews coming from the desert, but Tage Thompson as well. They're producing terrific goal scores from out there, and uh, Thompson put on a show last night, no question. You know, kind of the funny thing is, is the Buffalo Sabres historically haven't been that great of a team for quite some time, but it seems like their misfortune over the last several years here has kind of worked out well for them where they have draft picks and they've made some good trades and that kind of thing. I do think that the arrow's kind of pointing up for the Sabres team. So it was tough for the Capitals to take them on. You know, when I saw that game, I thought, you know, I bet you this is going to be an easy game. The Sabres aren't that great, but they proved a lot of people wrong last night. 
No, and they're, they're, they're a good team. They're, they're on the outside of a playoff position right now, but they're trending in the right direction. They were coming off a very strong December, not unlike the Capitals, but Buffalo, an 8-2-1 and one record in December, the highest scoring team over the course of the first half of the season league-wide, and they have some high-octane offense. And to your point about a team trending in the right direction, again, it's been a very rough, you know, decade plus in Buffalo, the longest active playoff drought going back to 2011. But they finally do seem to have a strong nucleus there, guys who want to be in Buffalo, which is a big thing. Of course, there were several players over the course of the past few years, Jack Eichel, chief among them, who wanted out. It wasn't necessarily the right fit for them. They had a lot of turnover with coaches and GMs and in goal. And, you know, right now, again, you look at the point, too, with Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power, a couple of number one picks. They're set up for long-term success. Is it their time right now? They might still be on the outside of a playoff position come springtime, but certainly their time is coming. They're they're really trending in the right direction. A very easy watch, Dan. Again, a high-octane offense. They can scoot. They move well in transition. It's, it's a very appealing team as far as uh, one of those who are on the outside trying to crack the top eight. And, you know, the good thing about this Capitals team right now is they have that tenacity. They have that pushback. In the post-game interviews, everyone summarized the game as the Caps being inconsistent, but I'm not going to be too hard on them. If this was the Capitals from October, November, I think they would have folded and maybe wouldn't have scored a goal, period. But this team is going in the right direction. Uh, just a real pleasant surprise. In the beginning of the season, everyone panned this team as this geriatric team, a team that's past its prime, but they are proving a lot of people in the NHL wrong by what they're doing as of late. And they're doing it even with the myriad of injuries facing this team. You know, one of the funny things that I talk about on this show is think about how great this team is right now. Think about how great they will be once Tom Wilson and Nick Backstrom returns. Yeah, exactly. They've shown a lot of character, if you want to use that word, over the course of the past few weeks, really turning their season around, going back to November 23rd, the night before Thanksgiving. So about 20 games ago, uh, 14-3-3 and record over that 20-game stretch. And they've done it with some secondary scoring. They've done it with some solid defensive play. I think that's really been a key storyline. Maybe it got away from them a little bit last night against Ball. Contributions, uh, you know, throughout the lineup, especially when you consider what's been missing. And, um, yeah, again, I, I keep coming back to the fact defensively that's really surprise in the game uh, is Sonny Milano and not just in this game in particular but a really solid acquisition that the Capitals made they picked him up off a PTO from the Calgary Flames uh, the first goal of the game was that breakaway goal that backhand goal and then the second goal was the one where he shot it at the Buffalo's netminder and it bounced off and Dowd shot it in but Sonny Milano just talk about you know Brian McClellan going out there and mm -hmm. getting someone on a cheap deal um, and just really helping this Capitals team without a big impact, financially speaking. Yeah, and it follows the trend, Dan, going back years ago, thinking to the Stanley Cup run, and you had, quote-unquote, bottom six forwards like Brett Connolly and Devontae Smith-Pelly, who cracked the Caps team that year on a PTO. Brian McGlellan has shown a very strong knack for picking up players who have maybe had a few other opportunities earlier in their NHL careers, didn't necessarily work out, and you're able to find guys, we term them as reclamation projects, guys looking to maybe revive their careers, guys who came into the league with high potential. Connolly was a first-round pick. 
Sonny Milano was the first-round pick in 2014 with the Columbus Blue Jackets, having now bounced around a little bit, but has seemingly found a home here in Washington. He, too, he, you know, you talk about the wheels, you talk about the shot. He has come as advertised, bringing a spark to the top six when maybe they needed a little bit of an offensive spark when you consider the headliners who haven't been available. That being said, it's a good problem to have, but now there will be decisions to be made when you do get Tom Wilson back, when you get Backstrom back, as you start to get healthier here. There are guys literally fighting for their jobs, fighting for their places in the lineup to stay in the top 12, if you will, to remain a regular in the lineup. And Sonny Milano, it'll be interesting to see now as players return, can he be trusted in different situations if he goes down lower on the depth chart? Can he be trusted in defensive situations, the 200-foot game? The offensive side is clearly there. It'll be interesting to see now where he fits as players return from injury. But that being said, he has certainly uh, shown himself very well over the course of these past couple of months, especially when you consider where he was in October, uh, that being not in the NHL after uh, you know being unable to take advantage of a PTO with Calgary going back to September, early October. So that's the next question, is that when Wilson comes back and once Backstrom comes back, who ultimately leaves the lineup? It's kind of been my thought that, you know, I get asked that quite a bit on Twitter, and I would say Nicholas Abe-Cubell and probably like Joe Snively, something like that. What are your thoughts about who comes out of the lineup uh, once the, those two players return? Well, look, if you, if you look at the playing time, you look at the way it's been distributed over the past few weeks, we haven't seen a whole lot of Joe Snively, just the one cameo appearance against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he does have a one-way NHL contract, which would mean he would have to clear waivers if he gets reassigned to AHL Hershey. Uh, again, given that lack of playing time this year, uh, would a team take a flyer on him? I'm not certain, but perhaps his route is to get more playing time to get reassigned to AHL Hershey. Again, we're looking ahead for the, for the eventual returns here of Wilson and, uh, and Backstrom. The other thing worth noting, and, and it's odd saying this because he's been a fixture in the lineup this year, is Alexei Protus. And I think it's worth yeah. noting Protus just because, again, when you talk about waiver exempt and waiver eligibility, he could go down to Hershey and there's no cost to the, penalty, uh, to the Capitals other than losing, again, what has been a fixture and a key cog playing primarily on that shutdown line with, with Hathaway and Dowd. So I, I think the Protus situation is interesting just in terms of it is an option where it won't necessarily, you don't risk losing a player organizationally. He'll still be around, but it'll be interesting to see how much they value again that the presence that he's. All right, so after the break, we will continue to talk to Ben Raby. We will talk about how the Capitals' goaltending is keeping the Caps in these games. And then we will talk about Alex Ovechkin's continued goal chase. We'll talk about that next. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup, we've got it all at BetOnline. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. And guys, even if you're not into betting, you could bet on an upcoming Capitals game. It makes watching the games that much more exciting. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. 
Thank you for making Locked On Capitals your first listen every day. Make sure and check out Locked On NHL Prospects, your daily podcast covering the next generation of hockey superstars leading up to the NHL draft, plus NHL draft rankings and top prospect comparisons for every team. Locked On NHL Prospects, available on YouTube and wherever you find your podcasts. He's provided in the lineup so far this season. Yeah, and it's one of those uh, tough things because Alexi played so well in the preseason. That's why he didn't get set down. I think that I don't think the Capitals initially had him planned to be on the big team, but that's just what happened just based on the play that he had out on the ice. But he kind of really hasn't lived up to potential as far as what I've noticed out on the ice. Um, so like you were saying, there is an option for him to go down to Hershey if that's what the case may be. Maybe a bit of a blow to the ego for him a little bit, but they're mm-hmm. professional hockey players. They're used to it. Mm-hmm. So one of the other things here, a pleasant surprise, and I spoke uh, to you about this the other time that you were on the show, is the inconsistency that was on the Capitals in net last year seems to have been rectified this season. They went out and picked up Darcy Kemper and Charlie Lindgren. Charlie Lindgren, who was one of the first stars of the week earlier in December. Wow. When, when that happened, who saw that coming? I mean, Darcy Kemper, of course, came off a Stanley Cup winning team. But to have Charlie Lindgren, kind of an unknown commodity in the NHL, come in and just really play better than a lot of teams, number one, that minder. Yeah, Dan, I don't think it's a stretch to suggest that Lindgren is partly, if not largely, responsible for saving the capital season when you consider where they were late November, early December on the outside of a playoff position. They had that difficult stretch on the schedule, eight of nine on the road. They were going out west, the Pacific Northwest, and and going into some tough environments, Calgary, Seattle among them, uh, Edmonton. And when you think about the Capitals losing Darcy Kemper on December 3rd in Calgary, when you think about the Capitals as banged up as they were, as much as they had battled inconsistency over the first couple of months of the season, the season, Dan, it could have gone off the rails. And there are several reasons why it turned around. We referenced moments ago the strong defensive play, the team defensive play. Ovechkin, terrific in December. That goes without saying. They were getting secondary contributions. But then you look at Charlie Lindgren, you know, a career backup. You know, his first time he's had a one-way NHL deal here. And he comes in, he's, he's a prototypical backup, you know, typically playing once a week, once every 10 days. And he gets thrust into starter duty. You know, he made eight consecutive starts at one point in December. And just terrific. You referenced the, the week he was named first star of the week league-wide. And the numbers that he ultimately put up, I think dating back to December 5th, which was his first start after Kemper's injury, uh, a 9-1 and record, a 1.90 goals against average, 934 save percentage in his last 10 starts of the month of December. Just terrific. And think about it. The one loss was the 2-1 loss to the Dallas Stars. The eventual game winner there was a fluky goal. I think it was a, uh, a Colin Miller shot that went off of Lars Eller's behind and, and snuck its way past Charlie Lindgren. I mean, he, he did not have a bad game all month. And I think the big thing, too, Dan, when you talk about the goaltending, be it Kemper or Lindgren over the course of the first half of the season is numbers aside. I think a, a big difference compared to a year ago is kind of the, 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 the when and the, and the how goals are scored. And what I mean by that is what we found over the previous few years with the young tandem is while their numbers were okay, 
it was the types of goals that were allowed. Maybe a soft goal late in a period. Maybe a soft goal, you know, the first shift after the Capitals had scored. Like momentum-changing situations in games. And there have been several instances this year where we have caught ourselves with Kemper or Lindgren maybe early in a game, you know, maybe late first period, early second period, where it's a one-goal game and eventually the Capitals win in blowout fashion, but they make big saves that, you know, maybe get lost in the shuffle in an eventual blowout win, but they're making big saves at key times. And I think the when the saves are made, how they're made, like, like there's a lot of context that goes beyond just the numbers. And what I'm getting at, I'm rambling here, but the, the context in which Lindgren and Kemper have stepped up this year in individual games, I think is very significant. And, and, and real quick, final thing on that, I'll, I'll give a real quick example. Even on Sunday, uh, sorry, Saturday, New Year's Eve against the Canadians. Okay, the Capitals won that game 9-2. Okay, you talk about a blowout. It was 9-2, Ovechkin gets the headlines, the hat trick, et cetera, all the goals, it was great fun. In the second period, Okay, the Capitals had a 4-2 lead. So it's a two-goal game. They had a 4-2 lead, and they were on the power play. And Jake Evans for Montreal had a breakaway opportunity, shorthanded. And Lindgren made a big stop. It would have been a shorthanded goal for Montreal. It would have pulled the Canadians within one. Instead, Lindgren makes the save. And later on that same power play, less than a minute later at the other end of the ice, Dylan Strom scores a power play goal to give the Capitals a 5-2 lead en route to the eventual 9-2 win. So that's what I'm talking about, about a key save at a key moment. Maybe it gets lost in the shuffle in a game where they ultimately win by seven goals. But Lindgren has done, and Kemper too, they've both done really well at making big saves at, at opportune times and conversely not allowing too many of those otherwise deflating goals that could really be backbreakers. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I'm talking about and we're talking about here is the consistency. Such a refreshing feeling to know that, you know, if it's Kemper, if it's lingering in that, there's a pretty good chance the Capitals will win a game. And that's, you know, a positive improvement over last year. This team has really turned it around in the month of December. Some people pointed to the fact that Peter Laviolette had a meeting, a, a meeting with the players and kind of was holding the players more accountable. What is it for you? What was the impetus that changed this Capitals team to go in the right direction and start winning games. They did it despite, you know, like we talked about off the top, be missing a myriad of different players. Um, TJ Oshie kind of been in and out of the lineup. There's, you know, a good argument that he really helps push this Capitals team in the right direction. What was it for you that changed everything that turned this Capitals team, which was, you know, a second round wild card at best to being kind of a contender in the Metro now? Well, I think the eye test points to, to the defensive play. And the numbers actually support that, too. Again, going back their last 20 games, uh, at least entering play last night. These numbers may have changed since last night with the 5-4 with the overtime loss to Buffalo. But entering last night, they had a 2.16 goals against average dating back to November 23rd, Thanksgiving Eve. So about 19, 20 games ago. And the defensive commitment and the buy-in... You know, we spoke to TJ Oshie yesterday before he made his return and asked him, you know, what, what that very question, what's been the difference? Well, what's changed over the course of the past few weeks? And he suggested that the defensive play, the quote-unquote five-man unit, the buy-in structurally, kind of all those cliches you might hear. But he suggested, and, and we've observed the same thing, the defensive play has really been good. There haven't been too many odd man rushes against, too many grade A scoring chances against. They've really done a good job. The forwards back checking, 
tracking back, you know, Oshi suggested it, it, the way they're playing defensively, it's almost like what you'd come to expect to see in the playoffs when teams mm-hmm. really clamp down. And to me, that's very encouraging because the way they're playing stylistically, structurally, the buy-in, the commitment, you wonder if the way they've played over the past few weeks, is it sustainable? Look, maybe they're not going to go 14 three and three over the course of every 20 game stretch now, but, but the way they're playing, it, it is the type of hockey abodes well for the second half of the season and come springtime. They've kind of laid the foundation. They have the blueprint now for how they ought to be playing as they look to realize their potential goals in the second half and, and into the postseason. And it's interesting because I think that the part of it is because they looked around the room and there was a recognition all right, we're missing several headliners. We're, we're going to have to grind out some wins here. And yes, there have been a few blowouts sprinkled in, but I think there was a recognition late November, early December. If they didn't want the season to go off the rails, to, to continue trending in the right direction, they were going to have to clean things up. And, and certainly a, a defensive-minded mentality, you know, that goes a long way. And again, maybe slowing down some, some stronger teams and, you know, grinding out some wins and giving yourself the opportunity to come away with victories, you know, thinking back to a win over Edmonton, for example, in early December, talking about a high-octane team in the Edmonton Oilers. So I think that the, the, the buy-in has been very good. And the other thing, real quick, Dan, of note there, is when we talk about buy-in and playing well defensively and structurally, there's a certain discipline that goes into that. And this is a very disciplined team. And I, when I say discipline, I don't mean staying out of the penalty box. I mean discipline. You know, they take the coaching and this is where, you know, you reference off the top of the show here, talking about the Capitals. You know, there was talk in the offseason, you know, an older team, you know, literally one of the oldest rosters in the league. I think this is where the veteran savviness can be turned into an advantage. When you talk about a team sticking with a defensive structure, you know, not cheating the game, you know, buying in, again, taking to the coaching. I think there's a lot of elements that have gone into the strong play defensively. But when you talk about, you know, guys like Marcus Johansson, Lars Eller, you know, guys, again, north of 30 years old, maybe on the back nines of their careers, you know, there has been that commitment to detail over the course of the past few weeks, which has been very noticeable and uh, very commendable, again, as far as something that could potentially translate. Well, now on top of that, if you get the additions, Backstrom, Wilson, et cetera, heck, you've got the foundation. You're going to have the skill. All right, so after the break, we will continue to talk to Ben Raby. We'll talk about Alex Ovechkin's historic season. We'll talk about that next. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories? Then you gotta try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me and you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then man, I've got the thing for you. You gotta try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't want to think they're good for you. Perfect for the New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? 
Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around for a box for years. We've been talking about ordering your Built bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar pack of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, run and grab a 13-bar box and our hit flavor brownie batter in churro. You can thank me later. That could be a, a very good combination. So, yeah, one of the, the tough things here, and it's a good leadership core. That's my big thing about this geriatric team is there's a lot of leaders. There's a lot of guys that have been there. They've done that. But their capitals, if they're going to continue winning, they're going to have to do it without one of their key guys on the blue line. And John Carlson, uh, as we know, he took that puck to the face against Winnipeg. Um, so th there is players that have stepped up and stepped in. Eric Gustafson, if mm. you had picked Eric Gustafson in the beginning of the season to be one of the stars of the blue line, you should really bet more money in Vegas because I never saw that coming. But he gets a hat trick in a game when he didn't have a goal the entire season. And then he had a goal the game after that. So uh, chipping in offensively, but also defensively, you know, the one thing about John Carlson is he eats up a lot of minutes. So having Eric Gustafson on this team is really what the doctor ordered. Yeah, he certainly stepped up. And, you know, we were talking earlier about Sonny Milano and Charlie Lindgren. I mean, Eric Gustafson and Dylan Strom as well. When you consider the the haul from the offseason and into the start of this season that Brian McClellan has collected for this Capitals bunch. It seems anything he touches seems to turn into gold. They've all turned out very well so far. And yeah, Gustafson stepping up in the absence of John Carlson. Look, there's at the end of the day, there's, there's going to be no way to replace John Carlson. And, and we'll see, you know, just how, you know, how sustainable some of, of the early, if you want to call it success that they've managed uh, without his services over the past, you know, week plus couple of weeks here. Um, you know, I think the deeper we go into this, it, it certainly could be, you know, there, there could be some tougher waters up ahead, if you will. But certainly in the, in the short term here, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Eric Gustafson, among those who have stepped up and, and carried the load, carried big minutes and, and filled in admirably. And for Gustafson, I think that offensive upside has always been there. You know, a 19 goal score going back a few years ago with Chicago. Um, you know, he he's, you know suffered a little bit over the past couple of years from lack of opportunity, lack of playing time, you know, in his different stops. And I think here's a guy here in Washington who the more minutes he gets seemingly taking advantage and, and feeding off of it. And, you know, a good skater, not afraid to activate and join the rush. You know, you look at those goals he scored over the past couple of weeks, several of them, you know, below the, below the face-off circles, you know, not afraid to get in there and, you know, for the most part, not at the expense of his defensive play. You know, he picks his spots wisely. And, uh, you know, certainly somebody, along with TVR, I think Trevor Van Riemsdyk's had a good stretch as well, who have, uh, you know, helped fill the void with, uh, with 74 out. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be replacement by committee or in his absence, shall we say. So the big thing of this season, kind of the biggest thing, even bigger and above how the Capitals are playing is Alex Ovechkin's career as he ties and then passes Gordie Howe. 
And, you know, I talk about this a lot and people are like, yeah, that's great. You are witnessing history almost every time this guy is out on the ice and we're seeing it in our lifetime. We're not looking at some archival footage of Gretzky or Gordie Howe. It's happening in our lifetime. And I don't want to ever get numb to that fact that I'm witnessing this every time he's out on the ice. Tell me your thoughts on Alex Ovechkin's just monumental season. It's not just the goal chase. It's every time I watch the game, Joe B and Locker talk about, well, he also did this milestone yeah. and this milestone. It just blows my mind every time I watch him play. For me, it's a lifetime coming to fruition of playing solid hockey his entire career. Yeah, it's it's amazing what he continues to do now at age 37 in his 18th NHL season, more than 1,300 games. And again, a lot, lot of miles on the hockey odometer. And as Barry Trotz used to like to say years ago, you know, Alex Ovechkin does not play a quiet game. There's a lot of wear and tear there. But that said, certainly a few signs, if any, of a guy slowing down. And you look at the past few weeks, the past month, and it reminds me, Dan, a little bit of, you know, last fall, the start of last season. And what I mean by that is thinking back to last year, the Capitals were also without several headliners. They were dealing with the injury bug. They were missing several leaders. And Alex Ovechkin, you know, did a lot of heavy lifting and, you know, brought the Capitals, you know, brought them into the fight, if you will, and lifted them up on nights where maybe they weren't at their best. And you look at the the overtime loss against the Buffalo Sabres, the two goals that he scored, he had seven shots on goal, 15 attempts. He was hitting, he was physical, he was engaged, he was dialed in. There really haven't been too many nights off for Ovechkin. And uh, I think he's up to 15 goals in the last 13 games. But again, just the eye test. It's just that there's, you know, the, the, the passion, the drive, it's, it's all there. And I do think, Dan, that over the course of the past few weeks in December, you know, those milestones and, and 800 goals and tying and passing Gordie Howe. You know, there, there's a narrative. There was a question being asked, you know, is this all a distraction around right. the team? And I actually think just the opposite. We felt it in December that it was actually a real motivation, a real kind of carrot for the team when they were going through that difficult travel itinerary I referenced minutes ago. You know, Ovechkin is motivated and his teammates feed off of it. There's a real appreciation for what they're a part of, for the history that they're a part of. And I really think it was a boost to the team in December. And seemingly it has maybe served as a springboard for a big January as Ovechkin uh, didn't seem to miss a beat against the Buffalo Sabres. So, no, he's, uh, you know, just continuing to, to hit the benchmarks, the milestones, and, uh, you know, unbelievably in his 18th year. I mean, just here recently, Alex Ovechkin named the first star of the month. Uh, you know, he's doing that with some elite company in the form of Connor McDavid and Tage Thompson. When he hit the 800 goal mark, he passed Gordie Howe, as we talked about. The 37-year-old also had uh, two hat tricks and now has 30 total in his career, which moved him past Marcel Dion and Bobby Hull. And not only that, but Ovechkin also passed Ray Bork for most shots in the NHL history. That's what I'm talking about. You know, it's not just this one-dimensional thing. He is breaking records on multi-tiered levels here. Just really amazing. So one of the things that I get asked off, who do I think is the greatest goal scorer of all time? And of course, right now, it's Wayne Gretzky. He holds that record. But for me, it's Alex Ovechkin. And I'm not saying that because I have my Capitals colored <laughs> glasses on. It's because he is doing it in an era where goal scoring is at an all-time low. You take into consideration the COVID years. You take into consideration the lockout seasons. Um, and he's doing it when goaltenders are bigger, they're taller, they're in better shape. 
for me, it's a better uh, a litmus test of who he is as a, a, a hockey player and a goal scorer. If you take a look back on what Wayne Gretzky and um, Gordie Howe did it, they did it in an era where it wasn't the butterfly style. It was kind of just that flailing their legs after it. And, you know, the goalies weren't nearly as well in shape. So the argument to be made right now is ultimately who is the best goal scorer? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think uh, Gretzky holds it just in terms of numbers at this point. But as far as the ability to, to create the goals and all the challenges that you mentioned that Ovechkin has faced over the course of his career, the bigger goaltenders, the better goaltenders. And while there are certainly objectives league-wide and incentive league-wide to open things up and see a rise in goal scoring, it's of course not to the extent that it was in the 1980s. And I'll, I'll add to that list of you know, what Ovechkin has had to deal with as far as, you know, the better goaltending, et cetera. The fact that when you consider as well the coaching these days, you know, right. look at all the iPads and assisting coaches behind every bench and defensive systems. There there was no one three one. There was no neutral zone trap when Gretzky was playing back in the day. Right. And just the 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 way players are coached these days defensively, um, you know, for Ovechkin to break through, you know, if you want to call that a barrier. Uh, you know, just speaks to his greatness as a goal scorer and his ability to 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 score during, uh, you know, what for the most part over his career has been, you know, a challenge league wide to find the back of the net. I, I will acknowledge, you know, things are starting to open up a little bit more these past few years. We see a lot of the high end skill being showcased and and that type of thing. But for the most part over his career, you're bang on. It certainly doesn't compare to the rate at which goals were being scored league wide in the 1980s, for example. And, you know, so the flip side of that coin is, of course, is if you look at the kind of hockey sticks that they used back then, primarily wood in the earliest stages of fiberglass. When Alex Ovechkin goes back for a slap shot, you see that arc of his stick go back. And, you know, is that going to add some uh, extra propulsion on that puck? You bet it's going to. So the question then of, and I know that there's not a really good answer, is that would Gretzky and Gordy, how would they have overcome in modern times and maybe even been better goal scorers? That is a question out there as well. You know, you consider the small pads and everything that they had back in the day. It's just a really tough thing. Do you think Howe and Gretzky would have overcome in modern times? Well, the, the, the amazing thing with Howe is, and this was brought to my attention weeks ago, chatting with uh, former broadcaster, the Hall of Famer, Chuck Caton, who uh, called games of Gordie Howe's during his career. He brought it to my attention. Howe didn't even have a curve on his stick throughout yeah. his career. So just imagine that. He had a straight blade. And he's scoring 801 times, but, um, you know, certainly you're right. There have been advances in equipment for, for shooters, for goal scorers, certainly. But conversely, I mean, Howe was doing that for part of his career against goalies that didn't wear masks. So right. <laughs> you know, the, the, the equipment upgrades, I would say, are, are universal and, and perhaps cancel each other out. But the, the fact that he did score north of 800 goals, Howe doing so with a straight blade, uh, certainly, you know, my ears perked up when, when that was brought to my attention. I thought that was uh, significant when you talk about the changes in equipment. All right. I want to thank Ben Raby once again for joining us on this edition of Locked on Capitals. You can find Ben on the Caps This Morning podcast and, of course, on Capitals Radio. Thank you for making Locked on Capitals your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked on NHL Prospects, your daily podcast covering the next generation of hockey superstars leading up to the NHL draft. 
Locked On NHL Prospects, available on YouTube and wherever you find your podcast. So, once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. My name is Dan Holmey, and I'll talk to you again next time.